0: The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invites you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us about another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. It began on a, on, a, on a summer evening in 1906. I'd been for a long walk in the park, I remember, when I returned to Baker Street and entered our rooms, Holmes looked up at me with a twinkle and, uh, and spoke. Look positively glowing with health, Watson. Well, I had a splendid walk, my dear fellow. You should have come with me. The park was looking particularly beautiful. The well, well, chap, during your absence, I've decided to write another monograph. Oh, well, what's the subject this time? Occupational liability to murder. For instance, the mortality rate is naturally high among policemen and detectives. Physicians are murdered with fair regularity, but the murder of a dentist is rare, and who ever heard of a murdered? veterinary surgeon. That's quite true, but what's the occasion for this little homily? I've been browsing over my newspaper clippings. Yeah? You recall ever hearing of a murdered tobacconist, Watson? No, no, I can't say that I do. Oh, why? And yet my clippings inform me that no less than three tobacconists have been murdered in the past six months and all the murders have occurred in the same small shop in the East End of London. <laughs> now, why do <laughs> you suppose three tobacconists would be murdered in the same shop? Come now, old fellow. Give me a logical solution to the problem, will you? Well, now, let me see. You say that the shops in the in the East End. Yes. Is it near the river? As it happens, it's on the water's edge. Then, supposing the tobacconist's shop was the headquarters of a smuggling ring, perhaps boxes of cigars were unloaded from the dock and mm-hmm. brought to the shop. Cigars containing pearls or opium, or something. Watson, my dear fellow, you're doing splendidly. What? You must walk <laughs> in the park more frequently. You're positive, scintillating. Oh, now no, you're you're making fun oh, of I'll me. I assure you, I'm not. You're. A, anyone home? No, no, probably a visitor from Mrs. Hudson. Go on with your fascinating theory. Now, why are three tobacconists murdered? Well, because they they know too much. Perhaps they demand a share and the profits, so the head of the ring decides to kill them. Plausible enough, Watson, I really must congratulate you. Oh, I can you, see that I'm very lucky in having a biographer with such a lively oh, imagination. Thanks very much. Come you. in. Imagination. <laughs> oh. Oh, hello, sir. Stroud, I'm glad to see you. Uh, Hope I'm not intruding... Not at all, my dear fellow. Come along, sit down. Thank you, Miss Holmes. Anything uh, remarkable on hand? No, no, Miss Holmes. Nothing very uh, particular. Ah. Then tell me all about it, Mistrad. (laughs) (laughs) Can't hide anything from you, can I, sir? Yes, there is something on my mind, and no mistake. And it concerns the three murdered tobacconists I see. Splendid. Now, how the blazes did you know that? Yes, Holmes, that pure magic... Not at all, Mary Watson. It's simple deduction. Reduction? Observe the five cigars peering out of Lestrade's breast mm-hmm. pocket. They are of a far superior quality to his usual brand. Obviously, the scene of his latest investigation has profit certain, well, shall we say, uh, professional perquisites. Am I right, Lestrade? Well, of course you are. <laughs> Careful one, Miss Holmes? Thank you, Lord. I'll stick to my pipe. Well, how about you, Doctor? Oh, thank you, Lestrade. Thank you. Coronas. And now, Inspector, tell me about the murdered tobacconists. Well... How much do you know about the case? Oh, just what I've read in the papers. Well, curiously enough, we were discussing the affair as you walked in, the start. Eh, it's a strange business, gentlemen. I only got hold of the old story today when I had a long talk to young Jack Longworth. Uh, he's the owner of the shop. When in relation to General Longworth, the taller member of Parliament who battled so successfully against the slum clearance bill? His son, Mr. Holmes. Oh. a nice, young fellow, too. Uh, when his father died, he inherited this shop along with a lot of other property in the East End. Well, uh, how big a shop is it, Mr. Arne? Oh, just old in the wall, Doctor. Like all the other shops in that part of London. Young Mr. Longworth tells me he first rents it to a man by the name of George Grillet. He lives there with his daughter, Lily, and made a quite a nice go out of the shop. Six months ago, when Jack Longworth was abroad, George Grillet has a stroke and nearly kicks the bucket. K- kicks, the, uh, kicks the bucket? He nearly dies, Doctor. Oh, a picture bucket. <laughs> I don't remember that. And then what happened to Stroud? Well, while he's in the hospital, his daughter gives up the lease on the shop. A few days later, an Italian takes it over, and a couple of weeks later, he's found with his throat cut. Did you investigate that first murder yourself? No, Mr. Holmes. It seemed like any of a dozen kiddings we get in that part of London. A shopkeeper cut up, his till emptied, no clues. Well, who was the next tenant? A Scotchman. Looked by the name of Mackintosh. A few weeks after he moved in, the same thing happened to him. That time I did go down there. But I couldn't find out nothing. Was robbery again the apparent motive? Yes, sir. But the killing wasn't the same. He was strangled with a silk scarf. Silk scarf, eh? And who was the third tenant? The man who was murdered yesterday? A Hindu fella. A man by the name of Mukaji. He takes it over a week last Friday, and yesterday we find him knife through the back and his money gone. Of course, I was down there eh, before you could say Crystal Palace. But once again, I didn't find out nothing. No knife, no fingerprints on the till, no footprints, just a very dead endo. Was young Mr. Longworth a landlord in England when these murders occurred? Yeah, that's the funny thing about it, Mr. Holmes. He doctored Tilbury yesterday morning. He didn't know nothing about what had been going on. Well, I imagine he'd have difficulty in renting the shop after three murders. Well, that's just it, Doctor. That's why he comes to me at the yard. George Grillet, his first tenant of the shop, moved
2: back there today with his daughter, Lily. And young Mr. Longworth's worried about them. <laughs> well, if you ask me, he's more worried about the daughter than he is about old man Grillet. So the
0: original tenants of the shop are back in residence again, eh? And, uh, what do you want me to do? Well, I thought perhaps you'd be interested enough to come along with me and look at the shop, Mr. Um. I should be very glad to, my dear fellow. It's coat and hat, Watson. All right, Joe. Oh, dear, that wretched instrument. I'll answer it hello Mike Grant how are you what yes yes he he's here now My of course I'll do everything I can certainly let's have dinner together soon shall we splendid idea all right goodbye is well, that your brother home yes Miss Strada I do think you might have told me the whole truth well how do you mean sir I thought your visit was prompted by a need for friendly assistance. I didn't realize that you came here virtually on a government order. Well, it wasn't just quite like that, Mr. What's Holmes. What's the government got to do with the case? And how does your brother Mycroft fit into the picture? Not eh? sure yet. But of one thing we may be certain, there's obviously a great deal more in this case than Lestrade would have us believe. Why do you say that, Holmes? He must bear in mind, old fellow, that occasionally Mycroft is the British government. part of london take a walk in on a foggy night ain't it gentlemen (laughs) all our policemen work down here in pairs you know yes i don't blame them it's a vile neighborhood Uh, there's the shop just ahead of us with a sign hanging out hello hello there he is
2: again oh see that bearded hindu skulking off around the corner there he's been haunting the place ever since i came down here
0: so a bearded hindu haunts the place eh? Yes, and yesterday, Holmes, the Hindu proprietor of the shop was murdered. Exactly.
2: Well, here we are. I'll go in 1st Pressing
0: Dep- Depressing-looking place, huh? I'll be at you,
2: Jiffy.
0: That's Lily, George Grillet's daughter. Helps him with the shop.
1: Sorry to keep you wet. Oh, Oh, it's you, Inspector Lestrade. Yes,
0: Miss Lee. Uh, I brought some gentlemen to see your father. This is Mister Sherlock Holmes and Doctor Watson.
1: Pleased to meet you. I'm sure. How do you do, Miss
0: uh, How do you do, young lady? Is your dad home?
1: No, Inspector. He won't be in till after dinner. Went down at the docks. He did to see about some cigar shipments. Mister Longworth's here. If you want to see him, we were just having some tea in the back room.
0: Yes, oh, I'd like these gentlemen to meet him.
1: Jack, come out in the shop, Jack.
0: What is it, Lily? Oh, Inspector Lestrade. And this must be Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, I'm sure. How do you do? Sir? Sorry, Mr. Longworth. I'm very glad the inspector was able to persuade you to come down here, Mr. Holmes. I'm frightfully worried about this business, particularly since Lily's father insisted on coming back here. I'm afraid they're in great danger, but I can't make Mr. Grillet see it. Young lady, I wonder if I might ask you a few questions.
1: Well, of course, Mr. Holmes.
0: Before your father had his stroke, did he receive any threats concerning his occupancy of the shop?
1: Well, if he did, he never told me about him. But it wouldn't surprise me. I often told him his biggest enemy is himself, if you know what I mean.
0: Yes, I think I do, Miss Grillett. When your father had his illness, who decided to give up the lease on the shop?
1: I did. No money was coming in, and, well, it looked like Dad might be an invalid for life. Mm-hmm. Of course, I couldn't run the shop by myself. Anyhow, I never did like this part of London, and it wasn't the right business for Father.
0: Uh, what was his reaction when you told him... Uh... Given up the lease.
1: Oh, he was awful angry with me. Said I'd no right to do it without asking him.
0: Uh, by the way, yeah, we saw that bearded Hindo again as we walked up just now.
1: He's been hanging around ever since we came back here, Inspector. Well,
0: has he actually come into the shop,
1: Miss Gillett? No, but he keeps walking by and looking in the window. I'm sure if we both went into the back room or left the shop for a little while, well, he'd come right in. Then
0: I suggest we give him the opportunity he's seeking. Miss Grillet. I wonder if you and Mr. Longworth would mind leaving the shop for a while. Of course not, Mr. Holmes. To make your departure rather ostentatious, shall we say, so that he uh, can't help noticing it. Give us half an hour or so and then come back. Perhaps you wouldn't mind going with him, Mister Lestrade. But Mr. Holmes, uh, this is my case. I know, I know, but um, in a situation like this, Watson and I work much better alone. We may have to go a little outside the law, and your presence might embarrass us. You'd never think I was a detective, too, would you? We'll be back in half an hour. Poor poor old Lestrade. He gets very touchy as the years roll by. I blame him. I'm leaving him completely in the dark. Come on, Watson. Behind the counter. No, 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 my dear fellow. Not under it. Not under it, old chap. We lift the flap... So, Ah, now I suggest we crouch down behind here. Come on, that's it. Have you got your revolver, Watson? Yes, it's in my pocket good. In the meantime, make yourself as comfortable as these cramped quarters will permit. We may have uh, quite a weight ahead of us. Look! Look, Holmes. As the Hindu now, peering through the window. Yes, yes, sir. Here he, here he comes. All right, Watson. Put your hands up. I've got you covered with this revolver. Now, my man, what are you doing here? Who? Who are you? Never mind who I am. Just answer my question. I do not speak. Very good English. To Mindustani Babulin sector? Ah, sector high. He goes to no, the higher. Dekni Kuasti, to Marabai, who comes here? To Marabai! To Jani sector? Salam! No, 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 you don't, my man. Just you stay where you are. It's all right, Watson. Let him go. He's on our side. I wish you'd tell me what in pun is going on. Who that man was and why you let him go? He's an investigator from the Foreign Office, old chap. Given his instructions by my brother, Mycroft. Mycroft? Yes, old fellow. When my brother fails to tell me all the facts concerning this case, I begin to think these triple murders have far greater ramifications than we ever dreamed of. Dr. Watson's story will continue in just a second. Just about time enough for me to mention that any meal becomes a better meal when you serve it with Petri wine. And say, you'll find that Petri California Burgundy and Petri California Sauterne are just made to go with food. That Petri Burgundy is a rich red wine that's bosom pals with any meat or meat dish. Boy, what a flavor. And that Petri Sauterne is the delicate white wine that's just perfect with chicken or with fish. Yes, sir, with food. You just can't beat a good Petri wine. And now back to tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure. A puzzling case is occupying the attentions of Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Three murders have taken place in a small tobacconist shop in the east end of London. As we rejoin our story, it's late at night, and Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, accompanied by Inspector Lestrade are
2: once again walking toward the ill-fated shop. Well,
0: I don't see that you've accomplished much, Mr. Holmes, except that you've just bought me a nice dinner. Oh, I'm making progress, Lestrade. If only by the elimination of obvious suspects. But there's a pattern to this case and that should give us a clue. Well, how do you mean, Holmes? My dear fellow, consider the obvious motive of these murders and particularly observe the results they've obtained. Well, the motive was the same in all three killings. Robbery. Oh, no, Lestrade. Not let theft of a few pounds from the till... Blind you to the real motive. Look, 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 look. Here's Miss Grillet now. He's coming out of the shop.
1: Good evening, Miss Grillet. Hello, Mr. Holmes.
0: Is your father home yet?
1: Yes, he is, Mr. Holmes. I can't tell you how anxious I am for you to talk to him. I'm going to meet Mr. Longwear. He's taken me to the music hall. I should be home just after ten. I hope you'll be able to stay with Dad until then.
0: Well, don't you worry, Miss Grillet. We'll keep an eye on him.
1: Oh, thanks ever so much. Oh, um... Oh, Mr. Holmes. Yes, Miss Grillet. Please don't go into our rooms in the back, will you? I've left things in a frightful mess.
0: I quite understand, Miss Grillett.
1: Well, ta-ta. See you later. Hmm.
0: Let's go into the shop.
2: How is it? Oh, Oh, it's you, Inspector. These gentlemen are Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Ah, Good evening, sir. Good good evening, sir. Good Ah. evening. Did you meet young Lily just now? Yes, she uh, told us she was going out to the musical with Mr. Longworth. Yes. I'm afraid we had quite a set to about that. A very strong-willed girl, Lily, very strong-willed. Am I to assume that uh, you disapprove of your daughter's association with Mr. Longworth? Yes, of course I do. He's a top. He's got lots of money. Lily's so blunt, she can't see that he's up to no good.
0: Hmm.
2: I'm pretty sure he's afraid I might find out what's really at the back of these here murders. And what is your theory, sir? Well, I'll tell you this in confidence. Got nothing to back it up now, you understand. There's been talk of widening the docks around here. That'd make property values go up, you see, of course. Young Longworth's been trying to buy up all the other shops along the waterfront here, but they wouldn't sell. If you ask me, he's had these murders done just to frighten people away so that he could buy cheap. I'm not saying that he did the murders himself, you understand, but he planned them. Why, in these parts, it's easy enough any night to get a throat cut for a couple of quid. Yeah. That's why I'm glad you're here, gents. You see, I... uh, I just got another warning. Warning? What do you mean, sir, warning? Found this note slipped under that door there not three quarters of an hour ago. Let me see please. What does it say,
0: Holmes? I shall call on you at 8.30 tonight. You know what's good for you? You'll be waiting for me alone any funny tricks you'll go where i sent the rest of them well that's obviously from the killer
2: possibly what's the time now mm, it's uh very past eight i uh, was hoping you gentlemen would wait in our rooms back of the shop you can hear what's going on in here and if he tries any rough stuff you can pop in and nab him just what i was about to suggest myself mr bridge either way will you oh yes just step behind the counter gents now through here Ah, here we are. Ain't exactly Buckingham Palace back here. But you can make yourselves comfortable, can't you, gents? Oh,
0: don't you worry about us, Griller.
2: Oh, I'd better turn out the gas. If this bloke spots a light under the door in here, he might smell a rat. Now, oh, there we are. Now, as soon as I see him coming in the shop, I'll knock twice on the door. Like this. And that'll give you the signal that he's here. Is that right? Right, you are, All right, now keep your ears open, gents. I may need your help. Where are you, Holmes? I can't see a thing.
0: Over here, Watson. You know, I've, I've got another theory why Jack Longworth might be at the back of all this. You listening, Holmes? Yes, I'm listening, sir, What is your theory? Longworth knows that Grillette doesn't approve of his having anything to do with Lily. So when he goes abroad, he leaves instructions to murder the tobacconist. The assassins don't know about Grillette having a stroke, of course. So they keep murdering the, uh, the wrong fella. Well, that makes very good sense, Doctor. What do you say, Mr. Holmes? 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 Where are you? Oh, That's my soul. He's disappeared. No, I haven't. I was just exploring. <coughs> Shh. Let the signal. There goes the front door. Somebody's come in. Oh, it's you.
2: We've got to go in.
0: We've got to get in there at once. Open the door. Well, it's locked. Never mind that. Get your soldiers into it. Come on, come on, help me. Come on, one more. Poor devil. He's been slashed with a knife. Do that. Millet, What, that's the killer gone away? I'm going to Now, Lestrade, it. conserve your energy. Your murderer lies there. But that's grilling. Of course it is. Search his pockets, Watson. I think you'll find a bloodstained knife. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, good Lord. here's a razor in his pocket. It's covered with blood. You mean to say that he slashed himself? let's uh, slip the handcuffs on him, Lestrade, while he's still play-acting. He may be more difficult to handle when he realizes the game's up. <sighs>
2: Take your hands off hey, on, of me.
0: Oh, come on, quick. Come on, yes. here. Yeah. Very neat, Lestrade.
2: Yeah. Well, now that I've knocked a wounded man out cold, perhaps you'll tell me what's
0: going on, Mr. O. Yes, I'm completely in the dark, too. Oh, it's very simple, really. Grillet has just staged a fake attack on himself. fool us into believing that someone else is the murderer.
2: Yeah, but the threatening note he received.
0: Composed by himself for the occasion.
2: Yes, but we heard voices.
0: We heard the shop door open. We heard Grillet talking to himself. And as for the shop door, that's how he gave himself away. Well, how do you mean, Mr. Holmes? Whenever the shop door opens, there's a bell that jangles. You will notice, uh... So. Yeah, that's right, there is. There was no bell jangle when we were in the back room. but got us in there, locked the door on us unobtrusively, and staged his little drama. Yes, but we heard the door creak open and close, Mr. Holmes. The creak of this flap in the counter would sound exactly the same, my dear fellow. Now and listen... Yes, but why, Holmes? How did you spot that Grillet was a man? It was obvious from the beginning that since nothing had changed about the shop except the ownership, that the attackers were directed against any tobacconist who was not Grillet himself. Of course, his daughter, Lily, obviously knew what was going on. Well, I don't see how you figured that one out, Mr. Holmes. Every remark that she made showed that although she loved her father, she knew his failings. In any case, she gave me the final clue. Well, what clue was that? in very pointedly asking me not to go into the back room of the shop. And of course, she meant the reverse of what she said. I followed her advice when you were explaining your theory to Lestrade. Well, what did you find, Mr. Holmes? Miss Grillet had obligingly left a secret door open, a door leading to a passageway that seemed uh, to go down to the waterfront. We'll examine it more thoroughly in a minute. Yes, but I still don't understand Gillette's motive, Holmes. Neither do I, old chap. No, I suspect that from uh, the interest of the foreign office in the case, this shop has been the headquarters of, a, of an espionage ring. I'm afraid the final answer to that question will have to be given by someone else. Oh, who, Holmes? By my uh, elder brother, Mycroft. Humiliating, isn't it, Watson? And what was the final answer to the question, Dr. Watson? You well, know, Holmes was right as usual, Mr. Foreman. The shop had been the headquarters of a spy ring operated by Grillet. And many international criminals had been smuggled in England or foreign ships moored up the river. And did Mr. Grillet hang for his crime? No, 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 he didn't, my boy. Before the, he came to trial, he he had another stroke and he died. Probably just as well for his daughter's sake. Oh, his daughter. <laughs> Lovely girl. Did she marry <laughs> Longworth? Indeed she did. As a matter of fact, I danced at her wedding. It was a very wonderful wedding reception. <laughs> see, you would have been there yourself, Mr. Foreman. In fact, you'd have liked it very much. They, they served a pretty good wine. <laughs> was it a Petri wine by any chance? Hmm? Oh, well, it was so good it easy it might have been. <laughs> <laughs> you mean because Petri wine is the kind of a wine you can't forget? That's exactly what uh, I do Well, mean. that's because the Petri I'm family really wouldn't. knows all there is to know about the fine art of turning luscious, sun-ripened grapes into fragrant, delicious wine. You see, the Petri family's been making wine ever since they started the Petri business way back in the 1800s. And they've been able to hand on down in the family from father to son from father to son, every bit of their skill and experience. That's why Petri Wine is so good today, because Petri took time to bring you good wine. And say, don't forget to take a moment yourself and send for your free recipe calendar. Remember, send to Petri Wine. Petri Wine, San Francisco 26, San Francisco 26, California. This offer is intended to apply only in those states and other localities where its acceptance is permissible by law and regulation. And now, Doctor, do you feel like giving us a hint about next week's story? Yes, I do. Next week, Mr. Foreman, I'm going to tell you a strange adventure that happened to Holmes and me in the West End of London. It concerns the death of a famous actor who was portraying the part of an equally famous man, Sherlock Holmes. Thank you, Doctor. See you next week. And say, from the news we've had so far today, maybe by next week at this time we'll hear some really good news from Europe. I certainly hope so, Mr. Foreman. But let us remember the war won't be over when Germany quits. We've still got to lick Japan, and that's going to take a long time. So instead of celebrating when VE Day comes along, let's just strengthen our resolve to support the war more than ever here at home. Keep that war job. Don't leave it till you're released. Keep on buying more and more and more war bonds, and, and keep them. Don't turn them in. Help all you can with all home front activities, and observe all our wartime regulations, such as price ceilings. That's the real way to celebrate a victory in Europe, by working harder to end the war in the Pacific. Tonight, Sherlock Holmes' adventure is written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and is based on an incident in the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Adventure of the Six Napoleons. Mr. Rathbone appears with the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce to the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. The Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. Meanwhile, don't forget to take advantage of our offer of a free recipe calendar. Oh, the Petri family took the time to bring you such good wine. So when you eat and when you cook, remember Petri wine. To make good food taste better, remember...
3: Pet, pet, pet.
0: This is Bill Foreman saying goodnight for the Petrie family. Sherlock Holmes comes to you from our Hollywood studios. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.
4: Hi, everyone. The holiday season is upon us, and I'll be glued to the telly for BritBox on many a night. I've already shared with you the fact that I keep up with Father Brown and Poirot at BritBox. I also check out their new stuff, like the new series Archie, which tells the story of Archie Leach, otherwise known to millions of filmgoers, as Cary Grant. This story comes from his daughter Jennifer Grant and ex-wife Diane Cannon. It's a series. The performance of Jason Isaacs, who plays Cary Grant, is top-notch. I highly recommend it. You can only find it on my favorite TV, BritBox. Sign up to BritBox today to stream Archie and other fan favorites today from any device I have a special, limited-time offer for my U.S. and Canadian listeners. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for a monthly plan, but only if you go to BritBox.com and use my promo code 1001STORIES at checkout. Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Just use promo code 1001STORIES at BritBox.com. Try it. You'll like it. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks?
0: The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invite you to listen to Dr. Watson tell about another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that mass detective Sherlock Holmes. I suppose your dinner is well over by now, so now's the perfect time to get out a bottle of that swell Petri California port. You know, Petri port was just made for a time like this, after dinner when you're just taking things easy. If you've ever tasted Petri port, you know what I mean. It's a hearty, full-bodied wine with a deep red color and a flavor that's just about out of this world. I think that if you had only one wine to choose and the whole world to choose from, chances are you'd pick port. Petri port. That's how good I think it is. That's saying plenty, I know, but I think Petri port will easily live up to all I say about it. Try it to see and share it with your friends. You can serve Petri port proudly because the name Petri is the proudest name in the history of American wines And now let's visit our old friend Dr. Watson I'm up here on the patio Mr. Thorne Come on out and, and join me. Admiring the sunset, eh, Doctor? Yes, my boy. It's a particularly beautiful one. Where are the puppies this evening? Uh, asleep on a, a favorite treat coat of mine. that's just come back from the cleaning. <laughs> and you hadn't the heart to move them, I suppose. No, no, I hadn't. Little fellows looked so comfortable. In fact, I sometimes wonder if, he's, uh, if you can come here to listen to a dissertation on the behavior of dogs. Well, it is getting near story time, Doctor. Yes, of course it is. Well, just let me... Uh, Get my pipe properly lighted. Ah, that's it. The story I'm going to tell you tonight began in 1909. I received a telegram from my old friend telling me that he was leaving his Sussex bee farm and coming to London for a few days. I hadn't seen the great man for several months. So naturally I went to Victoria Station to meet him. As the train drew to a stop, the door of a first-class carriage swung open and Sherlock Holmes, hand outstretched, jumped down onto the platform to greet him. Watson, my dear fellow, how are you? Oh, Holmes, my dear fellow, it's good to see you again. I've missed you. And are you, chap?
2: Carry you bake, sir?
0: Yes, Porter, and get us a handsome cab, will you?
2: Right, you Governor.
0: I wish I'd got a spare room for you. Don't worry, Watson. I shall be very comfortable at the Diogenes Club. By the way, I trust you're free this evening. Yes, naturally. What are your plans? I thought we'd go to the theatre. The theatre? Oh, what play do you want to see? Well, I thought we'd go to the Savoy Theatre and see the Sherlock Holmes play. I hear it's enormously successful. Yes, yeah, I know it is, but I've avoided it. I'm told that Sir Claude Horton takes great liberties with your character. And as for the actor portraying me, my friends tell me it's a travesty. He makes me nothing but a uh, bumbling old fool. <laughs> Therefore, a visit to the play might be a salutary experience for both of us. In any case, my trip to London is in response to a urgent telegram from Sir Claude himself. Seems to need my help rather badly. Oh, what's his problem? <clears throat> well, he wasn't specific in his telegram. He suggested, however, that we attend tonight's performance and discuss the matter with him afterwards. I see. Well, I, I suppose if you can sit through it, I can. Of course, you can old fellow. In any case. You yourself are partly responsible for the play's existence. How do you mean, Holmes? <laughs> Those sensational stories you wrote of my modest problems, I, I should have seen where they would eventually lead you. In time, no doubt, we shall uh, be portrayed on the cinematograph as well. Nonsense, Holmes. That newfangled thing's only a toy. I think not, Watson. We're on the edge of a strange new mechanical world. In fact, I begin to feel a certain concern about the rumoured developments in Wallace Telegraphy. But enough of these predictions. Here comes our porter with a cab. We'll tell the driver to take a straight to the Savoy Theatre. Just look at that line of people at the, at the uh, box office home. Very flapping, old chap. Possibly, but I hope it doesn't mean that we've got to wait our turn and... Excuse me, gentlemen. You're Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, aren't you? Yes, yes, I yes. thought I couldn't be mistaken. My name is Frank Ferrars. do you do, Mr. Ferrars. I'm glad to meet you. Sir Claude has a box reserved for you. He asked me to see that you are quite comfortable. Very considerate of him. Will you follow me, please?
2: Thank you. Um, neither of you have seen the play before, I understand. Uh, no, Mr. Ferrars, we haven't. <laughs> I imagine it'll be a strange experience seeing yourselves portrayed on the stage. By the way... <laughs> I'm playing the part of an old friend of yours, Professor Moriarty.
0: Oh, indeed. I'm <laughs> looking forward to a very entertaining evening. I presume that you escape our clutches, as usual? <laughs> yes, I do, Mr. Holmes. <laughs> and I've done it nightly now for 137 performances. Oh, a record that I'm sure Professor uh, Professor Moriarty himself would envy. Had it not been for his memorable demise at the Rackenbach Falls... Ah, here we are, gentlemen.
2: This is the box reserved for you. And now, if you'll excuse me, I'll go back to my dressing. Oh, oh, I nearly forgot, Mr.
0: Holmes. Sir Claude asked me to give you this note. Thank you. No, not at all. Well, I'll see you later. Very nice fellow, for an actor. Don't be a snob, Watson. Well, what does Sir Claude note say? I'll read it to you. Dear Holmes, since I telegraphed you yesterday... There have been strange developments. In fact, I've been doing some detective work offstage as well as on. Watch the performance tonight and watch the audience too, particularly the occupant of the box opposite yours. Please come to my dressing room as soon as the last curtain has fallen. He's being very mysterious and the box opposite ours is empty. No, no, no. Look, Watson, look. Someone has just entered. Confound it. The house lights are going out. The first act's beginning, Holmes. The first act, yes. Well, sit back and relax, old fellow. Let's see what they've done to us. Well, um, what did you think of the first act, Holmes? Huh? huh? Oh, the first act, yes, yes. I was um, examining the occupant of the box opposite ours. An attractive young lady, alone and unusually preoccupied in her programme. In fact, one might assume that she was trying to hide her face. Yes, but the play—don't you think it's ridiculous? Mm. Just imagine a crown jewel being stolen from the Tower of London. Why not? It's been attempted many times. Anyhow, you must admit that the actor who's portraying me behaves like like a blithering idiot. Uh And Sir Claude's interpretation of you is uh, pretty far-fetched. Far-fetched, but flattering, Watson. What poise! What suavity! What a voice! I find myself fully entertained. You're a strange chap, Holmes. No accounting for your tastes. <laughs> look, Watson, look. The back of the box over there. Good Lord, I could have sworn a man dodged behind the curtain. I don't think the girl saw him though. Looked like a foreigner. Huh. I think as the young ladies alone, we'll take the liberty of joining her. Oh, dash it, there go the lights again. The second act starting now. And sit down, all fellow. We don't want to attract attention. We'll join her during the next intermission. with me uh, my name is sherlock holmes and this is my colleague dr watson how do you do young lady i hope you'll forgive this intrusion but Sir Claude requested that i keep an eye on you during the play tonight
5: please come in and sit down won't you
0: thank you oh, this is very kind of you
5: you must forgive my abruptness just now but i've just been watching sherlock holmes and dr watson being impersonated on the stage it's, it's rather startling to have the real couple walk into my
0: box <laughs> i quite understand by the way just before the curtain went up on the second act, I thought I noticed a man come into the back of this box and then disappear again. Were you aware of his presence?
5: No. No, I didn't see him. But I know who it is. He's been following me for weeks now. Perhaps
0: you'd like to tell us about it, Miss... Uh...
5: Henshaw. Alicia Henshaw. Yes, I would. As a matter of fact, that's why I'm here tonight. Sir Claude Horton's an old friend of my father's. I want to ask his advice. He did some investigating himself for a few days and then he found himself a little out of his depth so he decided to telegraph for you mr holmes we were going to meet in his dressing room after the performance tonight splendid
0: and now miss henshaw what is your story
5: it's a strange one mr holmes though i didn't realize just how strange until i first saw this play a few nights ago you see my story concerns estelle and ruby good
0: lord and tonight's play revolves around the same thing exactly
5: i might as well tell you how it all started my brother's an officer of the British Army stationed in Egypt. Early this year, he saved the life of a very important native personage in some uprising in Cairo and was rewarded with a magnificent ruby. This jewel he sent to my Uncle Timothy and me. Oh, we're the last of the Henshaws, you see.
0: Did your brother tell you the name of this personage? Well,
5: he didn't know it, Mr. Holmes. Apparently, the whole affair was hushed up.
0: I see. Please continue.
5: Well, the trouble began shortly after Uncle Timothy and I received the ruby. A description of it was published in the papers, and a few days later a message came to us from Egyptian Mohammed Ali, laying claim to the stone as one stolen from his family years ago. He sent an expert to our house who examined the ruby under a lens, Mr. Holmes, and then tapped it with a hammer. It fell to pieces. It was a fraud.
0: Gracious me, an amazing thing. I'm sure that's not the end of the story, Miss Henshaw.
5: Oh, no, Mr. Holmes. I wrote and told my brother what had happened. He became very suspicious and suggested that I investigate the credentials of the expert that examined the stone.
0: I think I can finish the story for you. The supposed expert was a jewel thief who substituted a paste ruby for the real one, destroyed the imitation and walked off with the treasure. It's no trick. Of course, you haven't been able to find any trace of the supposed expert.
5: Well, that's the funny part of it, Mr. Holmes. Uncle Timothy and I gave a description to the police, but oh, it was a very vague one, I'm afraid. All the time, Uncle said the man reminded him of a colleague of his many years ago at the university, a professor of mathematics. He couldn't think of his name, but when we first saw the play a few nights ago, he was reminded of it. The name was Moriarty.
0: Moriarty. Mariette. Mariati's dead. Miss Henshaw, you say you um, have been shadowed for some weeks?
5: Yes, an Egyptian they have stolen the ruby, Mr. Holmes. Why don't they leave me alone?
0: That, Miss Henshaw, represents a, a very fascinating problem and one that I shall be most happy to help you solve. Oh,
5: thank you so much, Mr. Holmes. Oh,
0: there go the lights again. The last act. Yes, the last act of this little play, but not, I fear, of Miss Henshaw's problems. Uh, let's meet after the act in Sir Claude's dressing room, shall we? <laughs> Holmes, how did you enjoy the play? Very much, Sir Claude. May I introduce my old friend, Dr. Watson? How do you do, Sir Claude? How are you, Doctor? I see you've already made the acquaintance of Miss Unshaw, she, (laughs) no doubt, has told you her troubles, eh?
5: Yes, Sir Claude. And Mr. Holmes has promised to help me.
0: Splendid. Uh, Tell me, Watson, how did you like the play? It was uh, was very interesting, Sir Claude. Not quite accurate, of course. Well, you, you have to allow us a little dramatic license, you know. Uh, what did you think of Rodney, the man who was praying you, Doctor? Well, since you mentioned it, I think the fellow needs to study diction. He, he mumbles so much, I c- couldn't understand word he said. <laughs> oh, come now, old fellow. I, I think there are times when you're a little hard to understand yourself. Oh, rubbish. Sir Claude, I well, hope I you'll uh, meet us at the Diogenes Club, and then we can go out and have some supper. Excellent idea. I'll join you there after I've taken off my makeup. Splendid.
5: I think I should be going home now, Sir Claude. I gave my address to Mr. Holmes so he knows where to get in touch with me. Very
0: well, Miss Hanshaw, and don't worry. I shall give your problem my undivided attention. I'll take you to your cab, my dear. Oh,
5: there's
0: no need to, Sir Claude. Nonsense, I insist.
5: Goodbye. I'll be back in a moment.
0: Right, Miss Henshaw. Good night, good night. Strange business, Holmes. What what do you make of it all? Very little as yet, but it's a fascinating problem. Sir Claude really seems to uh, have identified himself with the character of Sherlock Holmes. He gave me the impression that he feels quite capable of of solving the case by himself. Well,
2: hello. Claude hasn't left, has he? Oh no,
0: Mister Fellows, he's coming back in a moment. Uh-huh. <clears throat> how'd you like the play, gentlemen? Very much. Your own performance as Moriarty was most convincing. Yes, Thank yes, you. indeed, sir. Congratulations, congratulations. A couple of times there, I had a strange feeling that you you really were Moriarty. Well, that's very flattering, doctor. Oh, hello. Well, it sounds as if there's some trouble at the stage door. Hey, excuse me. Come on, Watson, let's follow him. Right. Hello, it's Claude. He seems upset about something. Yes. What's happened, Claude? Oh, there you are, Holmes. I, I just seen Miss Hanshaw off in her cab when a foreign-looking fellow came out of a doorway and got into another cab. I heard him tell the driver to follow her. I, I tried to stop him, but... He got away. Must be the same man that we saw in her box during the play. Mr. Uh, Claude, uh, we have our address. I think we'll drive there at once and see that she's arrived safely. We'll join you later at the Diogenes Club. <laughs> well, Holmes, here we go. Off on another adventure? Yes, and one that may give us an opportunity of crossing out with Moriarty once more. Oh, Moriarty's dead. He was killed when you and he fell over the precipice in 91. He was supposed to have been killed, just as I was, but his body was never found. It's impossible, or rather possible, that he returned to pour into the ears of Colonel Moran a story as unlikely and as true as the one I related to you on that April evening in 1894. One can never be sure of death, old chap, until one has touched the cold skin of a corpse. Dr. Watson's story continue in just a few seconds hardly time for me to tell you about a really great Petri wine Petri California Muscatel did you ever walk through a vineyard early in the morning and pick a big juicy muscat grape right off the vine Mm -mm. if you've ever done that then you know what to expect when you taste Petri Muscatel Petri Muscatel is the color of golden sunshine with a flavor to match. Serve Petri Muscatel after dinner some evening or serve it any time friends drop in. It's a wonderful way to express your hospitality with a wonderful wine, a Petri wine. And now back to tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure. The famous pair have become involved in a strange mystery concerning a stolen ruby, a frightened girl, and an Egyptian who appears to be shadowing her. As we rejoin our story, Sherlock Holmes and Doctor Watson are standing in a darkened alleyway adjoining the girl's home. Holmes, look, look, look! That Egyptian fellow. He's pacing up and down in front of us. Our... Yes, therefore we may assume she's safely inside. Uh huh. Seems to be giving up. He's, he's coming this way. Flatten yourself against the wall. Good evening, sir.
3: Good evening. Who are you, please?
0: We are friends of Miss Hanshaw, and we're very curious to know why you've been following
3: her. I'm sorry that I cannot answer your (laughs) questions, sir.
0: Now, look here, my man. You're talking to Mr. Sherlock Holmes.
3: You are, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. I'm greatly honored to meet you, sir. All my life I have known of you. All my life
0: I have admired you. Then in that case, perhaps you'll answer my questions. Uh, Why have you been following Miss Hanshaw? Because it is my duty. What do you mean, Your duty.
3: Perhaps I should have said my destiny, Mr. Holmes. For two generations now, the family of Arabi, of which I am a humble member, have dedicated their lives to finding the stolen treasure of Asut.
0: What on earth all that got to do with Miss Hanshaw? Huh?
3: The treasure of Asut is a giant ruby. It was stolen many years ago from the family of Muhammad Ali. A few months ago, Miss Hanshaw received a mysterious ruby. I have found out many things, Mr. Holmes.
0: I have many sources of information. Then I must regard you in the light of a, a rival detective in this case.
3: I hardly call myself a detective, Mr. Holmes. My life is dedicated to only one problem. Miss Hanshaw now says the jewel was stolen from her. I do not believe it. That is why I watch her. If I am wrong this time, and I do not think I am wrong, then my quest must go on. Always it will go on. Permit me to wish you the best luck, sir. Thank you, Mr. Holmes. Good night,
0: gentlemen. Are we not good night? Sure, we shall meet again. Oh, why did you let him go, Holmes? Why not? He's frightening Miss Hanshaw. But not molesting her, old chap. In fact, it might be a good thing if someone is keeping an eye on her. In the meanwhile, Watson, let's see if we can find a cab and get back to the Diotes he- Club. Uh- I don't want to keep Squad waiting. <laughs> Mr. Claude Horton arrived yet? Yes, Mr. Holmes. He and another gentleman came in about five minutes ago. They went up to the library. The other gentleman has just left. I see, thank you. This way, Watson. I'm sorry, Sir Claude, to what kept you waiting. We took a little longer, but Sir Claude! Great heavens, what's the matter with him? Holmes. I I I found the answer. Too late. It's no, 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 sir. Don't try and stand up. You're, you're what ill. What are you trying to tell me? The ruby. The ruby. Moriarty. The answer. The answer's in the book. In the book. Sir Claude! Holmes! He's been stabbed. He's dead. Just as he was trying to give me a message. He was muttering something about the ruby and Moriarty. And twice he said, it's in the book. Yes, there's a book still in his hand. It's a copy of The Tales of Edgar Allan Poe. His thumb's marking a page. It's the story of the purloined letter. Thank you, Sir Claude. You delivered your message. Come on, Watson. We want to catch a murderer and a thief. We must go back to the Savoy Theater as quickly as we can. (laughs) Why do you suppose Sir Claude was murdered? Because I was too curious. had been investigating the problem of the stolen ruby and found out something. Something he promised to tell me at supper, you remember? And so he was killed by a man who came with him to the club tonight. Fortunately, he gave me a clue. By indicating Poe's story of a purloined letter. But I still don't see that how that helps you. Well, it leads us to the ruby. The premise of Poe's story is that the most obvious hiding place is the safest. Now, what uh, a physical object was most prominent on the stage in tonight's play? By Jove! A, a ruby! Exactly! How better can you hide a stolen ruby than by exhibiting it night after night as a stolen ruby before the eyes of thousands? Well, you, you mean you expect to find it in the in the property room backstage? Precisely. That and a murderer. Wait for us, Kelly. Come on, Watson. Do you have your revolver, old chap? Yeah, yes, I do. Well, keep it handy. Our uh, visit may not be unexpected. Unlocked, that's good. Come on. Look, Holmes, look. The doorkeeper. He's slumped over his desk. Hmm. You've been given chloroform. We'll take the liberty of borrowing his lantern. Huh. It's an eerie atmosphere. About a dark and empty theatre. The... Isn't um, Now, where would the stage properties be kept, I wonder? Hold the lantern a little higher, will you, old fellow? Yeah. That's it. Ah over there. A large cabinet. It's marked popular department. And it's unlocked. Well, oh, this is frighteningly easy. Let's look out for a trap. Now, let's see. Look, look. There's a ruby lying on that press. Oh. Hold it up under the lantern, Watson. Exactly. It's as I thought. This is no paste stage property, it's a genuine ruby. And the light of this lantern, it's very hard. To... Down, Watson, quick! He nearly got us. Smashed our lantern. Yes, he's got an air rifle, a powerful one, too, confront. There's no flash to indicate where he's firing from. Of course, he's baited his trap so neatly that he's exactly where we are. I'm going to take a shot at him. I can't see anything, but at least it'll let him know we're armed. Now, move your position quickly, Watson. <coughs> Just missed me, Holmes. This is hopeless shooting in the dark. Yes. I've got to switch the stage lights on. Keep him occupied, old fellow, will you? Well, i try to find the light switches. I've got him. But he can still shoot confound it. Yes, well, I found the light switch. Keep your eyes skinned, Watson. I'm turning it on. There he is, Holmes. Up in that box. Getting away. After him, Watson. You can jump over the footlights into the box. Ah! I'm well, afraid the bird has flown, Watson. I should have remembered that theatre exit doors always open from the inside. No, 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 he didn't get away, Holmes. Look on the floor. It's that Egyptian fellow. Oh, I hope you haven't wounded him too badly. No, old I don't chap. care if I have. He was trying to kill us. No, it's only a shoulder wound. He's fainted. Infernal scoundrel! No, he's a very gallant man. Undoubtedly, he was trying to save us. As you shot him just now, Holmes, what on earth are you talking about? Obviously, he's Moriarty. No, Watson. Moriarty just escaped through the door you heard clang a few moments ago. Then what's this man doing here? As a fellow detective, undoubtedly he followed us. Perhaps he preceded us. When Moriarty started shooting, this man tried to capture him and got wounded by you for pains. Then who is Moriarty? He must be someone connected with this theater. It's obvious. Moriarty is Moriarty. What? You mean Frank Ferrers, the fellow that played the part on the stage? Again, remember Poe's story of a purloined letter. But why didn't didn't you recognize him? Oh, remember, I haven't seen him for twenty years, and you haven't forgotten his genius for disguise, have you? What incredible audacity! How better could Moriarty conceal himself than by announcing lightly to the theatre-going public that he was Professor Moriarty? And then he killed Sir Claude. Of course he did. Sir Claude must have persuaded Moriarty to go to the club with him. Probably he hoped to expose him in front of me, but Moriarty found out that uh, Sir Claude knew too much. Yes. So he stabbed him. Rushed back here to bait his trap for us. Yes, 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 yes. But but how did he know that we'd uh, we'd walk into it? Well, he knew that if Sir Claude had guessed his secret, then I certainly would, and so he was waiting for us. Ah. Hello. He's coming, too. How are you feeling, my man? The... The ruby. The ruby. Did you find the ruby? Yes. Here it is, son. Tell me. Is it the ruby of Muhammad Ali?
3: No. No. It is a fine stone, but it is not the one for which I have searched all my life. And so my endless quest must go on and on and on.
0: He's fainted again. Ah, poor doth. Fine mess I made of this case, Watson. No, I don't know. You've recovered the ruby? Yes, look at it, old fellow. Before I turn it over to Miss Henshaw, look at it well. Probably its every facet stands for a bloody deed. It's a beautiful stone. And yet this lovely bauble has cost Sir Claudie's life. And that devil Moriarty still goes free. But one day, Watson, and may the day come soon, I shall meet Moriarty again. And when that happens and I finally bring him to justice, then and only then, can you write Finney to the character of Sherlock Holmes? Well, Doctor, that was kind of an exciting story. Tell me, did the Egyptian recover from his bullet wound? Yes, indeed you did, and rather quickly, too, Mr. Foreman. I felt very badly about shooting him, but of course uh, I couldn't help it. Of course not. Uh, but you know, if I had to shoot someone accidentally, I, I wish it would have been the, the actor who portrayed me on the stage. Wretched fellow, mumble all over the place. <laughs> oh, don't worry about that. After all, you did recover the ruby. Yes, and a beautiful stone it was. The color of, uh, well, uh, the color of a fine glass of port when the light shines through it. By a fine port, I take it you're talking about a Petri port? Is there any other kind? (laughs) Well, all kidding aside, Doctor, Petri port, like all Petri wines, is good wine. And I can tell you why very simply. Petri took time to bring you good wine. You see, the Petri family has been making wine for a good many generations, since way back in the 1800s. And because the Petri business has always been family-owned, everything the family has ever learned about the art of making wine, they've been able to hand down from father to son. From father to son. That adds up to a lot of skill and a lot of experience when it comes to turning plump, juice-filled California grapes into clear, fragrant, delicious wine. So when you want a wine for any occasion, obviously you'd go wrong with a Petri wine, because Petri took time to bring you good wine. And now, Dr. Watson, what story do you have lined up for us next week? Well, now, let me see. Next week, Mr. Foreman, I'm going to tell you a most unusual adventure that occurred to Sherlock Holmes and me early in the last World War. It took place in Flanders and concerned a famous British general, uh, an actress, and a German firing squad. Boy, that sounds like a real thriller. Well, see you here next week. No, no, no. Uh, Not here, Mr. Foreman. Remember? Oh, of course. Next week, we're going to be at the Paramount Theatre in Hollywood for the 7th War Loan Drive. That's quite right. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't invite you all to my home for one of our broadcasts, but we can get together next week at the Paramount Theatre in Hollywood. You can get a free ticket for our broadcast by buying a war bond. And I sincerely hope that you will do this so that we can see you next week at this time. <laughs> Tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure is written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and is based on an incident in the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Adventure of the Second Stain. Mr. Rathbone appears to the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce to the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. The Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station.